0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank God for the gifts of the Spirit and for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need His encouragement every single day of our life. How many believe that? Amen. Well, open your Bible uh, tonight. Your Bible's with me to the book of James, the book of James, chapter number 5. We are... We are in James chapter number five. be beginning there tonight. Have a few more, um, a few more lessons here in James over the next few weeks. We're going to be getting into some good, some good, good stuff here in James chapter five, and um, so you don't want to miss a Wednesday night service. Okay. All right. Let's let's get there tonight. James chapter five. And we're going to begin with verse number 1, 5 and 1. And I want, to, I want the subject tonight that, that James is dealing with, uh, that the Scripture deals with here in these uh, opening verses, is a, uh, I think going to be a message that probably would be an interest to all of us in some degree because what the subject matter is tonight affects us all. And uh, we are all, I think everyone here, to some degree or another, is interested in money. Anybody that, you know, that's interested in money. Well, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about money and about finances and about how we are to to handle money and what we're to do with money. And it says a lot, it has a lot to say about money. And so James Here in James chapter 5 deals with this subject matter. And uh, so that's what we want to look at tonight is what James has to say here, what the Spirit of the Lord has to say about money. Because I think we're all interested, and I heard it. I I read a story about a, a, a family that uh um had a a their grandfather had uh came into a large a very large inheritance of several hundreds of thousands of dollars and the old the the old gentleman was up in years and he had a bad heart and so they uh, they they didn't know how to tell him that he had inherited this vast amount of money. He uh, he they th- they was afraid maybe it would excite him so much that he would have a heart attack. So they they decided that they would get the pastor to go over and to talk to him and to break this news to him and to tell him about this inheritance. They said the pastor has a good way with words and he probably will be able to uh, to, uh, to 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 tell him in a in a way that that would wouldn't excite him too much, and so the pastor agreed to go do that, and so when he went over to talk to the grandfather, he thought, well, I'll just, I won't be too abrupt. I'll just ease kindly into this. I won't tell him straight out, and so he was kindly working his way into this, and the pastor said to him, he said, Grandpa, what would you do? I just want to ask you a question. He said, what would you do if you inherited $300,000? And then the old gentleman looked at the pastor and he said, well, pastor, I would give every bit of it to the church. And the pastor had a heart attack. <laughs> well, money affects us all, doesn't it? And uh, we all deal with money. We all have concerns about money. And so I want us to look here at James in chapter 5 and verse 1. He begins by saying this, come now, you rich, weep and how? for your miseries that are coming upon you your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth eaten your gold and silver are corrupt are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire you have heaped up you have heaped up treasure in the last days Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you, uh, which you have kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of or the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have, you have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter, And you have condemned and you've murdered the just, and he does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand hand i I want to i want to talk to you about this on the subject tonight of money talks we've all heard that well you know money talks follow the money money's the most important thing in a lot of people's mind it is but people when you think about money uh, a lot of people have a lot of wrong ideas about money Uh, One of them is that people believe today, you know, and I'm sure nobody here does, but there are a lot of people today that believe that money can buy them happiness. And you know what? It can't, and it will not. Money cannot buy anybody happiness. It doesn't matter how wealthy a person is, um, you know, happiness cannot be bought, Money can buy almost anything, but it can't buy happiness, and money can take you almost anywhere, but it can't take you to heaven, amen? Some people think that money can bring security, but it can't, money can't assure you of security in your life you know there's something about finances and about money you can have it one day and it'd be gone the next it's kind of like one fellow said one time and I could associate I could kind of identify with this he said you know they say money talks he said that's true mine's always telling me goodbye <laughs> and uh, anybody ever experienced that I think we all have but money can't bring it do- does not bring security uh, only Jesus can bring security in life. Do you, do you agree with that? Only Jesus can bring security in life. But then there are those who think that money, and I'm talking here right now about some wrong ideas about money, and there are those that think that money is sinful. But that's not true either. Money's not sinful. Aren't you glad that it's not? Now, you can use it in the wrong way. Because, you know, money, some people say, and I've heard it said, and you have too. Well, you know, money is the root of all evil, but you know the Bible doesn't say that. Money itself is not the root of all evil, but the Bible says that it's the love of money. The love of money, that coveting after money that is the root of all evil. And there's a, there's a statistic that I read that was given by uh, uh, a, a so-called professional marriage counselor that said that money is the source of 89% of family discord and arguments. 89% of the trouble in homes and in marriages is, revolves around finances and around money. And 80% of divorces... I thought that was kind of astounding. I wouldn't have have guessed that, but 80% of divorces uh, have to do with finances and money within that home. So I want us to look for a little bit tonight about what the Bible says about wealth and what the Bible says about money in the life of a Christian because we are all affected by this. And our attitude toward Money and toward finances is important, and our stewardship with what God gives us is also very important. How many of you all know that everything that you have, if you have any financial blessing at all tonight in your life, if you have a place to live, if you have... Uh, you know food to eat and clothes to wear and if you have money in your pocket and I know I know people say well I'm not wealthy I'm not rich but do you know we're we sitting right here in this room tonight and and by the by the by the by the standards of the United States no we're not but by the standards of the world we are all very wealthy people that are here tonight and um, but, but God, everything that you have has been given to you by the Lord. I mean, you know, isn't that right? I've heard people say, well, no, I, you know, I, I'm my own person. I worked and I've done this and I've, I've labored and I have made my living and and I've earned my money. But I'm going to tell you what. They need to understand that had it not been for God giving them life and giving them breath and giving them health and giving them strength and giving them ability, they wouldn't have anything that they have. Amen. So we need to, we need to understand in our attitude toward money that, that we must be, we must understand that what we have comes from the Lord and that God expects us to be good stewards with what He gives us. Amen? Money can be a tremendous blessing in a person's life and it uh, it can also be a terrible curse in an individual's life. So how we handle finances and um, what we do and our our stewardship is very important. Jesus said that if you're untrustworthy... About worldly wealth, then who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? So God can tell a lot about us. Boy, it's kind it's quiet tonight. I, I know everybody's just listening, but God can tell a lot about us. And about our spiritual out, uh, spirituality um, by how we handle our wealth or our finances. Would you agree with that? It, it, it all links together. And uh, so James here says, he's dealing with, and he's talking here in this fifth chapter, he's talking to um, the rich, and, and he talks here about the corruption of riches. And notice in verses 1 through 3, he says, come now, you rich. And, and he says something very very interesting here, and he's talking to, to those who are rich. And, he, and he, here is what he tells them to do. He said, "Weep and howl for your miseries that are come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth eaten." And notice verse three: Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Now James here is speaking to these individuals these rich individuals here in this this fifth chapter and he's he's he wants them to know that the future it, their future is not going to be bright. Can you see that there? He says, there's miseries coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted. Your gold and silver's corroded. And so he's telling them that there's some misery, some hardship, some suffering, some distress that's going to come upon their life. And the reason why, not, not necessarily because they had wealth, but these people had made money their God. God. they had put their security and their trust in their wealth and see this is the dangerous thing about about finances and, and about money is is God and we'll see this here in a little bit God wants to bless people financially yes he does I mean we know that Poverty and lack is not from the Lord, Amen. And 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 God wants to bless us, but 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 the thing is, we we've got to always be on guard that we never get to the place where that with those finances, that money becomes an idol in our lives, or that we make that our security, Amen. We've always doesn't matter how much money you do have or do not have Jesus has got to be the number one in your life whether you abound or are abased that's what Paul said when he said in Philippians 4 I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me he was saying to that church at Philippi he said I've been in the place where I've had a lot and I've been in the place where I've had nothing I know how to abound I know how to be abased and and he said, in every one of those situations, I have come through it all. Jesus has been the same in my life, whether I've got a lot or whether I've got a little. Come on, amen? Praise God. That's the kind of attitude that we have to have betor- toward finances and, and material wealth and that type of thing, that it cannot become an idol or a God in our life where we love it more than we love the Lord Jesus Christ, where it means more to us than Jesus. And so... All of these individuals that James was writing about here, all of their wealth, he said, their riches is go- were going to rot. Their clothes would be moth-eaten. The gold and the silver would be corroded as a witness against them. And what he was saying here, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it does all, all, we're going to leave all that stuff behind. And however much or little a person had in this life is not going to amount to anything when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen? We're going to give an account of our life before the Lord and all of the gold and all of the silver and all the fancy stuff is going to be absolutely worthless. It will just be and, and for those who have put their trust in, in, in finances, trust in, in and material wealth and gain, it will be when we stand before the Lord and see Him in all His glory, all the wealth of this world is going to be as old rusted metal with no value whatsoever. It will mean absolutely nothing. The world passes away and all that is in this world passes away. But only those who do the will of the Lord are going to abide forever. Come on, amen. Amen. Proverbs 11 and 4 said that riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And so James is dealing with these individuals here that were rich, that were wealthy. They have have put their trust in money. They have made um, um, a God out of their wealth. And not only that, but notice what he says there. He speaks of them... As in verse number 3, and he says, you have heaped up treasure in the last days. You have heaped up. So what they were doing when he said they had heaped up treasure, they were, they were hoarding their wealth and their money. Money, as I said, had become their God, and they were trusting and depending on that money more than they were the Lord, and they had come to a place. They were hoarding their money. Material things had come to mean more to them than spiritual things. And there lies the danger, see, when material things, no matter what it is, any material thing when that becomes become, comes to the place that it means more to a believer than than the things of the Lord, then there's the danger, there's the danger, but they were they were heaping up treasures. For the last days, they were hoarding their money. Now, you know, as well as I do, that the message uh, for this country and in this country today, in the United States of America, we are a very prosperous nation. God has blessed this nation. I think that a lot of our problem today, eh, that we're having today, is because we have not acknowledged... As a nation, where our blessing has come from, and it has come from God. Come on, somebody. And the message today in this country, it seems like, as prosperous as we have been, is that life consists of things. The more stuff we have, uh, you know, um, and, and, and you know, even there's even even um, within the church. You know, there has been teaching within the church that that you can tell by the kind of car a person drives or the house they live in or their bank account how much faith they have in God. And that's not taught anywhere in the Word of God. You know, the Pharisees believed that. They believed that the, the... the the that their wealth and riches was a sign of God's approval in their life and of God's blessing in their life. And Jesus debunked that theory and that teaching and that doctrine that they had and they didn't like him saying that, you know, saying that. But, but there has been a gospel even preached that, that the closer you get to God and the more faith that you have, the richer you'll be, that you can be a millionaire or whatever you want to be. And the Bible never promises of us that we can reach a millionaire status I will agree with I will say this I will agree with this I believe the work of the Lord and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs a few born again spirit filled millionaires that will surrender their lives to the Lord and give to the work of God and support the gospel of Jesus Christ you know when God blesses us financially he does that for the purposes of purpose of us not just so we can have our needs supplied and have the things that we need in life but God blesses us financially as believers so we can bless the work of God Amen Amen? That's the purpose of it. Hallelujah. And uh, we'll see that here in a moment. but, 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 But God warns us against having a covetous spirit. And that's the thing. And I've said this before, you know, and you've heard me say this before, that God is not opposed to Christians having money, but he is opposed to us being covetous. He is opposed to greed, See when when I know I shouldn't say this, but I, but I, but but when 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 ministers have two or three jets and they're taking up a, trying to raise sixty-five million dollars to buy a bigger one and a better one, there, there's only one way you can slice that, ladies and gentlemen. And that's greed is all that that is. And so the Bible warns us about that, and it teaches us to be not to be covetous. In Colossians three and five, he said, for us to put to death the members which are our members which are on the earth. And he lists those things that that we are to put to death and are to be crucified. And Paul says uh, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and then he said, and covetousness, which is idolatry so he he said covetousness to be covetous is idolatry and so you know that's what that's what the the bible teaches us and and warns us against that covetous spirit and we have to guard ourselves against that covetous spirit especially when god begins to bless our life are you with me hallelujah and so uh you know, Jesus said this in Luke twelve, fifteen. He said, and he, he he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And then in verse 21 of Luke 12, he says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God well that's what these guys were doing here in James chapter 5 they were hoarding up wealth they were just gathering up money hoarding up money because of the love of money the 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 Bible is not teaching against saving money or having a savings account God you know that there's nothing wrong with that as a matter of fact I believe the Bible encourages that but because it talks about leaving an inheritance to our children's children. Amen. That a good man will leave an inheritance to his children's children. So there's nothing wrong with saving. But what he is talking about, the Bible does say that and warns against just hoarding money because that is the love of money. And that's what they were doing. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, is, am I going too quick or are you getting bored or are you Okay. Everybody okay? Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said this, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. So he's talking about hoarding, not talking about saving. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break through, a break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your heart at? See that's that's where your treasure is going to be. It's where your heart is. What we keep, and here's a Bible principle that you need to get a hold of: what we keep, we ultimately lose, and what we give to the Lord, we will keep, and He will add more to it. Amen what we keep what we keep we lose and what we give to the lord we keep and he adds more to it. And uh, God, see God wants money to be in circulation. Now now let me, get, let me give you a little example here. And I've, I've, it's been a long time since I mentioned this individual, but it was a lady by the name of Hetty Green that lived many, many years ago. As a matter of fact she died in 1916. Now I don't know if any of you all have heard the name Hetty Green or not, but when she died in 1916 Hetty Green left an State that was valued at a hundred million dollars. Now, a hundred million dollars in 1916 was a lot. That's a lot of money today. Amen. Amen. See, see, you know, when we're talking about this greed and this covetousness, this is what, when I get to talking about this, when I was thinking about this, this is what's turned me off. And I've always been a sports fan, but this is what turns me off with professional sports. They made the big deal on TV, on the news. The only other thing the other day that was on besides COVID-19 was um, the big NFL contract that was signed by um, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes, yes, of the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, a half a billion dollars. For ten years. When when Albert Pujols left the Cardinals and went to the California Angels and it just upset everybody. And you remember what he said? I'm not doing it for the money. Well, no, no, you know, don't lie about it, too. <laughs> of course it was for the money. It's absolutely for the money. It's all about the money. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's a greedy, covetous spirit, amen, that gets a hold of people. Well, this Hetty Green, she she had a a, a wealth, accumulated wealth of $100 million when she died, but she was known as America's biggest miser. Because here was the thing about Hetty Green, even though she had all this money, it, it, it was documented that she, when they found all this out, after she died, she ate cold oatmeal because she was, she wouldn't, She didn't want to pay to turn the stove on to heat it up. Her son... Her son had to suffer a leg amputation because she delayed so long in looking for a free clinic. She was trying to get him treated at a free clinic. She didn't want to pay for medical help, and so she she delayed in getting him looked at and getting him help. That the case his case became incurable, and he had to have his leg amputated. Uh, Hetty Green lived in, in in shambles and hovels to avoid paying high real estate taxes. And when uh, when she was on her deathbed, she wouldn't even hire any nurses to come and take care of her because she thought it was a waste of money to pay for the nurses to care for her. She was wealthy and she had more money than she could spend and it wasn't money that she, it wasn't that she needed money but it was that she loved money. She hoarded money. Money had become her God. Do you see what I'm saying? And that is what James is dealing with here in in this fifth chapter. Amen. He's, He's telling us that don't we're not to hoard or allow money to become our God. God wants money to be in circulation and used and not hoarded. There is, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5.13, there is a severe evil that I've seen under the sun, riches kept for their owner to his hurt. And at the judgment, riches, our riches are going to testify. And they're going to say, here is money that could have been used to reach souls, to build churches, could have been used for the glory of God, but was not, but it was just hoarded and kept merely for the love of money. Mm. Amen. See, there's not, listen, God is not Condemning the Bible does not condemn wealth in itself, and God is not opposed to His people having money, or is He opposed to His people having nice things? As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8 and 8 that you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you the power to get wealth. Any wealth that you can accumulate, God is the one that will bless you to do it. If you're getting it in the right way, He's not going to bless you to do it crooked. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You read the Bible and you'll find that there were many saints, many godly saints in the Bible that were wealthy. Abraham, the Bible says, was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. When David died, it said that he died in a good old age full of days and full of riches and honor. And the Bible also says that riches and honor come from God. You remember Joseph of Arimathea, who Joseph of Arimathea was was the, the the man that came. He was the disciple that came and took the body of Jesus down and provided the tomb for the body of Jesus. Well, the Bible says in Matthew twenty seven and fifty seven that he was a, a he was a wealthy man. He was a rich man, but still he was a disciple of the Lord. So you can you can have money and still be a disciple of the Lord, but Riches and money always comes with a warning to the believer, to the child of God. Psalm 62.10 said that if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. And, and, and here's, here's what Paul said to Timothy in the New Testament regarding those who were rich. He said this, command those that are rich. And this is what he told Timothy. Here was what the message was to be to those who were rich in the church, that were in the body of Christ, that were in the church, that had wealth and that were rich. He said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. That was the message to those in the church that were rich. What was it? Don't be lifted up. Don't think you're better than anybody else. Don't have a haughty, proud spirit and look down and be condescending to those who are of lower degree and who don't you know the church the body of Christ is made up of of rich people poor people middle class but let me tell you something it ain't like it is in the world in the church it doesn't matter an individual's social standing or financial status or anything like that or the color of his skin or anything else we are all or whether male or female young or old, we are all one in Jesus Christ and God looks at him. It's all the same. I don't have any, none of us, I don't care who we are or what we have, have any business looking down condescendingly on somebody that is less fortunate than we are. Amen? We dealt with that back in James, what was it, James chapter 2, I believe it was, you know, where the rich man comes in with the gold rings on his finger and and James said, but you run to him and you give him the best seat in the house, but the poor guy comes in, you put him in the closet. I don't know, is this revival teaching or what? I don't know. But... He said, you're not to be high-minded or haughty and not to trust in uncertain riches, but continue to trust in God because it's it's He that gives us the power to get wealth. It's Him that gives us richly all things to enjoy. many knows God wants you to enjoy life? Huh? He wants you to enjoy life. But when wealth destroys your character or destroys the lives of others, or corrupts your relationship with God, then you've got a problem. Verse number 4, that 5th chapter, verse 1, 2, and 3, talks about their hoarding, their wealth. It talks about their corrupting, their riches being corrupted, their clothes moth-eaten. But notice in verse number 4, he says, Indeed, The wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. Notice that, which you kept back by fraud. Cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord. What's he talking about here? Here's the cry of these workers, laborers, that they were crying out to the Lord because these rich men had used them to do work for them. And then they jilted them. They stiffed them. They didn't pay them. So James is is condemning that. And here's what the Scripture's teaching us here, ladies and gentlemen, that God is against wealth, gain, money that we attain or obtain in a wrong way. Right? Right? that what he said see God is not only interested in the fact whether that we have money and are blessed but he's concerned about how we get money because and that's what he's dealing with there because the curse is on money that's obtained and gotten the wrong way there's a right way to get financial blessing. God does have laws of prosperity that He gives in the Word of God. And, and this nation today and the young people of this nation today have forgot the first law of, pro- of course, they want to get rid of capitalism and, and, and all of that anyway, and they want to go into a socialist form of government, you know, where everything's given to them, and that's the problem with this country today and with the young people today is they've had everything just handed to them on a silver platter and they haven't had to work for anything. And one of the laws, the first law of prosperity is is you, if you're going to have something, you're going to have to work for it. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> I know that's not real popular at all, is it? Get a job and go to work. Well, you know, I know some people that are, some are retired, some are disabled, and, um, and can't work. That's a different thing. They're, you know, God... God has has pity on the poor. And God wants us to have pity on the poor. But he doesn't have any pity on the lazy. <laughs> oh, praise God. I just well laugh. You're not going to. <laughs> but isn't that the truth? That's the problem. This I wasn't intending on saying all this, but that's the problem with the welfare system today. Amen? Is Is people... Just lazy. They come. They want to. Oh, I'm moving. I gotta move on. But but that's the truth. So God's concerned about how we obtain our money, and so here was what was happening here. These these there there was unpaid wages of these workers that were crying out against the rich because the scripture said that they kept back. They kept back. You notice that in verse number 4. He said, you've kept back by fraud the wages of those who have mown your fields, those who have worked your fields, and you have not paid them their wages. So they were being dishonest, and they were cheating people, and the Word of God was against that. In in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, I won't take the time to go to those scriptures, but in those scriptures, in the law, uh, God told them, don't let the sun go down on somebody you owe money to that's worked for you. You pay them, you pay them. You know, if they do a job, uh, you know, an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. Amen? Isn't that what it's all about? God, Thank God for this country and, and for capitalism that, that any, everybody, anybody can make their own way. Amen. But God's concerned about how we do that. And James warns of the wealth that comes from, from, from dishonest dealings, from stealing, from deception, and from dishonesty. And let me tell you something. Here's where God's nailing us down folks, and and I know I'm, I'm again, preaching to the choir tonight, but God wants us in our dealings, in our everyday life, on our jobs, and and all of that, He wants us to be honest and to deal truthfully and to deal honestly with people. We must be faithful in, in, in how we make our money. We must be faithful in paying our debts. I know that's just old-fashioned preaching, but the Bible teaches that. The Bible tells us, you know, that the that the that the wicked man borrows and pays not again. So so we have to be be honest and faithful, and that is a must. Honesty is not the best policy. Honesty is the only policy. And so when it comes to earning a living, we gotta do it, we gotta do it honestly. Everything in our life has to be done honestly. And that's what was happening here. These these guys were being dishonest, and they were were cheating those who had worked for them. And so the Word of God was rebuking them for their dishonesty. Their, Their gold was cankered. It would be cankered. God would hold them accountable and responsible. And I've told you this story before, and again, I don't like to tell stories about myself too much because I don't, and especially, you know, you're always taught in, in, uh, in preaching never to make yourself the hero of your own story. And I'm not trying to make myself a hero, but, but a few, I don't know, it was a short time after I got saved, you know, and, and I talked about my salvation experience a little on Sunday, but, but I was working. I was working for an outdoor advertising company in Cape and, and, and twice a month for three days a week two weeks out of the month we, this company, owned a billboard company also in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So, so for six days out of the month, we would go and work down there. We would work on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, come back home for the weekend, and then go back on a Wednesday, the second week, and work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And so we would put in a lot of hours. And So anyway, to make a long story short, we were, we were finishing up one day, and the, the, the guy who was, who was much my senior, who was my supervisor, who I worked with, just two of us working together, was sitting there in the pickup after we'd finished the day, and he told me, he said, okay, uh, we're, here's what we're going to put on our time sheet. We're going to push the pencil, that's what he called it, a little bit, and we're going to add a couple of extra hours that we worked, at a couple extra hours overtime, make a little extra. No time clock to punch. We just write our time down on our time sheet. I'd been saved about two, three weeks. Here I am. Is this a test or not? Huh? And I said, Charlie, I'm not doing that. Well, you have to. Because he said, if you don't do it, I can't do it. Cause we're working together, and I said, "Well, then you can't do it because I'm not doing it. That would be a lie." Now, I wasn't trying to be super spiritual or anything, but but I, I was a new Christian. I, I told you Sunday how that the, everything had changed in me. If it had been just a few weeks earlier, I'd just said, "Ah, let's don't put two, let's bump it up four, Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> But the Lord had changed me, see, and, and, and I said, no, that wouldn't be right. That wouldn't be honest, amen. And, 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 and in his eyes, I looked like a big dummy. I looked like a fool. He got so mad at me. He, he got so mad at me, and I said, well, listen, I, here we are. We're way down in Kentucky. I said, if you want to just take me to the bus station, I said, I'll buy a bus ticket and go back to Cape, go home. I said, but I'm not doing that. I said, if you want to do it, fine, but I'm not doing that. And man, he wouldn't speak to me or anything for a while. He was so mad. But but this is the point. See, honesty is the only policy. God, and here's the thing. God curses money made in a dishonest way. But he blesses labor and money that's made in an honest way. Praise God. We, we were camping last week. We had met uh, Patty and Terry down at Clearwater, and we were camping down there. And uh, I, we needed some ice. So um, I, did, I didn't know where to go to get some ice, so I got in the truck. I mean, we're down, we're down there, you know, where there's no cell service and nothing, you know. It's nice. It's nice. And uh, so we're driving, I'm I'm driving, I'm getting the truck and I'm driving and and I see this place over on the side, little bitty community there and uh, in the hills and there's a little place there and I see an ice machine and so I pull in there and there's an ice machine but there's nobody there and the ice machine's open and it's full of bags of ice. And there's a little lock box up there with a slot in it and a sign that says "Please be honest." And it has a list of the prices for the bags of ice: dollar fifty bag, three dollars for two bags, and four fifty for three bags. And I pulled my wallet out, and I'm looking, and all I got is a twenty dollar bills. And I I fiddled through there, and I finally, because I was thinking, what am I going to do? I'm not buying $20 worth of ice. I don't know what to do. I have nowhere to put it. (laughs) I'm not going to buy one bag and put a 20 in there. So anyway, I did find a $5 bill, so I got three bags, put a five in there, gave them an extra 50 cents. But here was the thing. You know, I could have left with three bags, four bags, five bags, as many bags as I wanted to. Nobody was around there. I don't know. Maybe they had a camera on me. I don't know. But the thing is, you know, it's just the right thing to always do what's right. God will bless when you do what's right. It doesn't matter if nobody's watching. There's somebody that's watching. The Lord is watching. We used to sing that song years ago, watching you, watching you. Every day in the course you pursue, watching you, oh yes, watching you, there's an all-seeing eye watching you. There is, Jesus is watching us. And so he was telling those, those guys, I've got to close, we're about to run out of time here. Um, he was telling this, the, the, these, this group of rich people, he said, listen, listen, you have defrauded these people. You have kept back money by fraud. And the cries of the wages of those cheated workers had reached the ear of the Lord. Money does talk. It was talking. Their, their fraud was talking. And it had reached the ears of the Lord. The Bible says this, and I'm going to be closing. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor, there you get back to that job thing again, those, he who gathers by labor will increase. Listen, there's a lot of dishonest um, money being made today at the expense of the oppression of the poor people. I believe this, and I know a lot of people would disagree, but I believe that money made by the liquor industry, money made by the casinos and the gambling industry and the state lottery have the curse of God on them because that money is made and gained through the oppression of the poor. You know, that's the truth. A man, uh, that particular guy I was talking about that I worked with there that wanted to cheat on the timesheet also had a drinking problem. He's the one I talked about that would get the bottle of wine every morning and drink, drink it, you know, for his breakfast. But, but here was the thing, too, with him. He'd get his paycheck on Friday and go to Al's Midtown Lounge there on Good Hope Street in Cape and sit there and drink and drink and drink and drink, and drink with his wife and kids sitting at home. And there's been many, many a family that's went without and children that have went hungry and that have been abused because of an alcohol problem. I I guess you all know by now I don't have much use for alcohol, amen, and drinking whether it's a little bit or a lot, amen. But it's, but it's money in the, the alcohol industry, the booze industry, the liquor industry, the gambling industry. How many, how many people have lost everything they own because they sat at a crack table or, a, or in front of a slot machine or at a blackjack table till they lost everything they had? That casino got wealthy. But I'm telling you, there's a curse on that money and people to stand before the Lord and give an account. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. It is, it is, it is wealth gained dishonestly. It just, it just chaps my hide. <sighs> to, to fill my truck up, and to go in there and have to stand in line for twenty minutes while everybody's picking out what lottery tickets they're going to get—they're so poor they trying to strike it rich. Praise God! I've got my. Well, I hope somebody will come back Sunday. But you, it's the truth. It's the truth. God, you know, he's not, that's not the way God wants to give you financial blessing is through the Missouri State Lottery or Powerball or the Casino Queen or anything else. He wants you to earn it and to to work and, boy, I didn't even get to this part, and to give and to pay your tithe and to use part of your income for the promotion and and the, the 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 propagation of the gospel of jesus christ and then when you do that then god said he would bless you and then he'll prosper you and then he'll take care of you isn't that what the bible teaches us to do amen but not to try to get it by defrauding somebody else praise the lord well let's stand tonight i I'm just about done, but hallelujah. God's not against you having legitimate pleasures. He's not against you and I enjoying life. Not at all. But he is against selfish, wasteful, lavish spending that includes no giving to the work of the Lord. The person who puts God first in his finances is the one who's going to find the blessing of God in his or her life. Let me just go ahead and wrap this up and close with this. In verse number 7, notice he says this. Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently till he receives it with the receives the early and the latter rain what's he talking about there in in the context of money that he's dealing with here money the farmer he says waits for the fruit of the earth he's talking about the law of sowing and reaping the farmer sows seed and then the rains come and the farmer patiently waits until there's a harvest right He says here that, and and I believe that he's letting us know that when you give, not hoarding like these rich men were, not heaping up treasures to yourself, but when you sow it to the work of the Lord and when you give to the work of the Lord, it's like planting a seed. It's sowing into the work of God. And when you sow, when you plant, the crop will come up. Jesus said in, in, in Luke uh, 6, 38, Given it shall be given to you again good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men given to your bosom. Ecclesiastes 11 and 1 said, Cast your bread on the water, and it shall return to you after many days. So it's talking about sowing and reaping. And and the Bible says in Acts 20 and 32, Paul said this to a group of people. He said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We need to believe that. Amen? The the law of sowing and reaping works in every area of our life. It sows in natural seed, but it's also a spiritual law that works in in our spiritual life. And the Bible likens sowing finances into good ground as giving and sowing that will receive a harvest. And let me close with this scripture in 2 Corinthians 9. Chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. And I'm reading this from the Amplified. Let me read it from the Amplified. And he says this. Paul says, remember. And and chapter 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians is dealing with, with finances and with giving. Both chapters. And Paul says this. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, takes pleasure in, and prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. That's a mouthful right there, but praise God and God. Look at verse eight. Here's what God will do for that cheerful giver, for that prompt to do it giver, for that generous giver, for that one who's sows, not hoarding, not 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 just keeping it all for me, 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 all for myself. But I'm going to give some to the work of the Lord because the more you give away, the more God the more God will bless your life. Come on, amen. But notice verse 8, he says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Glory to God. That is what God will do if we will handle our money and our finances the way the Bible tells us to handle our money and our finances. Honor the Lord, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all of your increase. And then your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will flow with wine and oil. It's putting God first and God will make a way and He will cause all grace to abound toward you that in every situation, you will have adequate supply in every area of your life. I can't say enough about this church and how faithful y'all were. This church was to give during the lockdown, during the shutdown. And uh, I'll just say this, that we went from, I mean, we had dropped, we had financially, the church had dropped down and I was really concerned. But, but, but y'all continued to give faithfully and, and God brought us back up. Farther up than what we were before we went down. Are you listening to Yeah. How did he do that? I don't know. I still thank him for it every day, but I'm still thinking. It was a miracle of God. But I'm going to tell you this much everyone that was faithful and everyone that was that has given and everyone that has sacrificed can I tell you this get ready get ready you're like that farmer that's put that seed in the ground and continued to plant it and the rains for God's causing rain to fall on it but he said be patient you're wait. you're like that husband and like that farmer waiting for the early and the latter there's a crop coming in your life amen it'll be financial blessing but not only that I I believe that God blesses not just financially and materially, but it'll be spiritual blessing. It'll be blessing in your family. It'll be blessing on your home. It'll be blessing in every area of your life. When you put the Lord first, when you handle what God has given you faithfully as good stewards, God will bless you and cause a harvest to come out and come forth in your life. Praise God. Woo, hallelujah. Well, lift your hands and let's give him praise.